Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. My name is Jackson Danner alongside Omar Borja, almost second lieutenant Omar Borja. <laughs> um, Matt, we are still going through strong, you know, after the draft through the college football season. We're still hitting it strong with college football right here. And uh, man, we just found out these Buck Buchanan Award finalists. We've had the Walter Payton Award finalists that we can go over a little bit. Man, what a, what a great time to be alive. We've got some great football ahead of us. For sure. I mean, the spring is here. Um, baseball's back. And there's also the spring league with, uh, you know, some, some nice play the first the first weekend. Uh, I'm going to a game June 3rd. I'm quite excited. Um, but, I'm yet yeah, to no, watch let's, a spring league game. It. I can't wait to actually, like, sit down this weekend and watch one because I've just I've been too busy to watch it. I'm, I'm pumped for that. I think the funniest thing is the fan attendance. Uh, they only, they're only allowing fans at the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium games. But watching the first game, seeing the attendance, I'll send you the picture. But I think there could have been more than 30 people in the stands. But I'll bring all I'll bring the electricity June 3rd whenever I come. All the all the electricity needed in the crowd, I'll bring it. So, okay, question. Was there more people in Lucas Oil at least when Parks and Rec filmed there with Andrew Luck? There probably was <laughs> cameraman, a couple of parks and rec people, a couple of Coles players, more people than that, at least hopefully. Yeah. So, so looking at the, looking at the, and this is our first uh, diversion, but looking at. <laughs> we haven't the, even started it with diversion. <laughs> yeah, looking at the, I was going to say audience, but looking at the crowd, the attendance at night, it's kind of like playing a game of how many jelly beans are in the jar with a, <laughs> with a jar that's only got like the bottom full. You can just like look in and count them yourself. There could have been more than, I think 30 is a generous count for the first game. The, yeah. the crowd started to come the second game. Yeah, but, I mean, I was say, this was completely <laughs> unplanned. Speaking of Parks and Rec, I wore my Rob Lowe shirt today. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with appreciating the shield. Uh, if you ask me, I think I'd wear an AFL shirt because I'm old fashioned. Yeah, I'm still looking to get an XFL shirt or an Alliance rip. Um, but yeah, man. So we're let's dive into these uh, to these award uh, award presentations. They're gonna happen, I believe, Saturday night. Correct. Yeah, Saturday night. I know. I don't. I don't know if it's night or day, but I do know it's the fifteenth. It's actually going to be broadcasted on. I would. I would assume it's at night. Yeah, it's going to be broadcasted on the Bally, the Bally Regional Networks, formerly the Fox Sports Networks. You've been watching baseball like I have. You notice, you know, that there's no more Fox Sports Networks. So it'll be broadcasted on those. So sort of a national following with all of those networks. We're gonna get into our predictions later, but can I just? Tip my hat. Can I give one prediction early or do you want me to wait a little bit? No, it's up to you, bro. No, it's up to you. I'm going to go for one of these awards. I'm going to go with a guy. I want you to guess who it is. I'm going to go with the guy who in high school, he broke his school record for passing touchdowns with 35, ran for another 10, and was their high school team starting punter. You know who it is? Is it a friend of the podcast, Troy Lenvey? No, I, <laughs> in hindsight. No, it's it's one of these finalists. It's one of these finalists. I'm going to go Cole Kelly. I think Cole Kelly, right? That's who you're going with? It's Stone Snyder. Stone Snyder. Oh, he was a quarterback. I, yes, okay. he was a dual threat quarterback in no high way. school. Triple threat if you count the special teams action. He was, he was recruited 
as as he I read this uh, interview with him, he was recruited at halfback. He was recruited at tight end, linebacker, defensive end. He wanted to be a quarterback. That didn't work out. But hey, he's about to win defensive player of the year, in my opinion. Well, hey, I mean, if he's a dual threat, I, I, I can't say that he'd fit VMI's air raid offense very well. But I think that's a great segue into the Walter Payton or not Walter Payton, the Buck Buchanan race, which um, it's coinc- it's coincidental because I think they're released like later, like right after we recorded last time, which is just uh, it was like a day luck, later, literally uh, out of 18, yeah, a, a day they later. announced the final three. But oh, well. Like my mom says, a day late and a dollar <laughs> short, but uh, I digress. Um, so looking at the finalists, we got we got Stone Snyder, the aforementioned Stone Snyder, that Stone Snyder that Jackson mentioned. We have Colby Campbell, a guy we've talked about a lot uh, for Presbyterian with that 25 tackle performance against Davidson, the darling of the Pioneer Football League, who unfortunately lost by 35 in the playoffs. But not going to talk about that much since I hyped Davidson a lot this year. And a uh, third guy, Jordan Lewis, a defensive end. For Southern, a guy that wasn't really on our radar when we talk about the H when we talk about HBCU football, we've been talking a lot about Alabama AM champions of the swag with the quill glass. We've been talking about Jackson State, of course, and Dion. Um, but Jordan Lewis has kind of slid underneath our radar. Um, and while Stone Snyder is your front runner, which I think it's a great debate with uh, VMI, I think all three of these guys, this might be a very, very close race because there's an element for each beyond what's not happening on the field. But I think Jordan Lewis is my guy, considering that it's a front seven award and he's been the most dominant front seven player in football. He just ha- he doesn't have the amount of games to show it, but he's got ten and a half sacks in five games. 15 tackles for a loss and uh you know i like my history in the in the greatest in the biggest blowout of grambling state in the bayou classic since the 30s the 49-7 dismantling which it was hard for me to watch uh, i'm not a grambling fan but you know you know about grambling pretty much if you know college football or, or pro football you know about grambling he had a sack in a tfl but against jackson state he had four and a half tackles for a loss uh, on national tv against jackson state and three sacks had he played more, I, I don't think it would be a close race, but I think it's where he's played five games. It's not that close. I, I mean, it's, it's a close race because he's only played five games, but that's, I got Jordan Lewis as my guy. Um, may, maybe uh, you want to talk about Stone Snyder or, or um, Colby Campbell, but as far as I see, I think Jordan's, uh, Jordan Lewis takes it. Yeah, Jordan Lewis, the big knock is because those stats are, like, very impressive. Even 27 tackles for a, for an end is is pretty good. Um, but uh, my one knock is the game split, just like for you. I, I, it's going to take some convincing. And if we're talking strictly in the sense of predicting, it gives me, like, Jordan Lewis, in my opinion, isn't head and shoulders above Colby Campbell and Stone Steiner. The fact that two linebackers are finalists, I think it shows it's going to be a linebacker, in my opinion. I think I think that's a fair point. And will you say that with Lewis, with uh, the games played, and with the two linebackers there, um, I I don't know if I if I can call the the correlation of having more linebackers having that be a causation um, between who wins the award. I just think I don't know. I just think that um, I I think it's going to be one of those two. In my opinion, it's going to come down to does the who the uh, journalists and media members who vote on this, do they value production in tackling? Because then it's not really a question. It's Kobe Campbell or 
uh, a kind of a hybrid between Jordan Lewis and Stone Snyder, where you still have the tackles for loss. We have a good, like almost triple the number of tackles of Jordan Lewis. Of course, he's at linebacker, so it's to be expected. But um, and Stone Snyder, I just think I think they're probably going to find that sweet spot between. Okay, he's still racked up almost double digit TFLs. He still has some quarterback hits and sacks. But he also has 76 tackles, which is like undeniably one of the, the best tackling totals in the nation. It's no Colby Campbell, but I don't know. I think they're going to, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be Stone Snyder, but we'll see. Yeah, I think Stone Snyder, all these guys have a great case. I mean, going oh, yeah, Stone absolutely. Snyder, no, yeah, I'm not like it's, that's why it's close. All of them have played great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, all those like, – it's going to be very incredibly close. Um, and I think we both acknowledge that. Uh, the one thing with Campbell, he played on a Presbyterian team that was, I mean, simply not good. I mean, they beat Davidson. I mean, they weren't great. Sorry. They went four and three. Um, didn't notice that. But they're in the Pioneer Football League, non-scholarship league that, t- that doesn't really tend to get attention. Their main source of attention was the fact that San Diego uh, had – dominated that that conference for so long having a 40 plus game winning streak uh but colby campbell's stats are great he's got i think uh, it was 96 tackles uh it was in the 90s i'm pretty sure he had yeah 96 tackles 25 against davidson against davidson seven tfls this guy was all over the place and really that that uh center uh centerpiece of the defense but what's your opinion do you think that record that record should stop record and confidence should stop Colby Campbell compared to stone Snyder and compared to Jordan Lewis. Um, I don't think it should. I think there's a pretty good chance it might um, because stone Snyder being the, I believe Southern didn't make the playoffs. Correct. Right. So it's going to be, it's going to be, you're going to have stone Snyder as your only player that's played it down in the FCS playoffs um i think that goes a long way i think we've seen that with the buck or excuse me with the walter payton award before i'd have to look into it for the buck buchanan but i think that goes a long way that we've seen some postseason action even if it wasn't much um uh and colby campbell it's hard to stand out on a on a small team like or not small but a not great team not the biggest name um I'm not saying the talent's not there, but it's, it's hard to get some recognition for the same reasons David Collins wasn't recognized as much as he should have been this past season in the FBS level. Um, it's just, I don't think he's going to get the recognition he does deserve necessarily. You could argue that he is getting that because, yes, he's a finalist, but I don't know. I think it'll be Snyder. Any one of these guys, you can make it easily make an argument for why they deserve it. Like, there's no one. Like, uh, there's no Devontae Smith here where you can, yeah, this guy deserves it. Anything else is wrong. Like, all three of these guys you can make a definite case for. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And just to put in perspective, Stone Snyder's uh, stats, I'm surprised that his teammate Connor Riddle also didn't get, because uh, that was a guy that I thought would have uh, also had honors, had more TFLs, less sacks, though. He had eight sacks, 9.5 TFLs, 88 tackles. And I think... Like you said, VMI's I think voting. We were on that this whole season. VMI's defense yeah. is great. They played at a great level, and Stone Snyder was kind of got cherry picked to get the recognition for it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think I think that's what it is. I think when you say that too, with Campbell, Campbell also tackles. He has that individual one game performance, but he's on a four and three team in the Pioneer League. Lewis hasn't played enough. I think Snyder might take it. I mean, as much as I think. 
Lewis is the most deserving, I think Snyder might take it, um, given the story of VMI. And that's not to say that Snyder isn't deserving as well. Or, yeah, Snyder isn't deserving as well. It's just that VMI hasn't had a winning season since the early stages of the Reagan administration. We still hostages in Iran when VMI had a winning season. Um, but yeah, like I, I think it's gonna be a really close race and very interesting. I honestly, I think this is more interesting than the Walter Payton Award race, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think it's going to be uh, closer than the Walter Payton Award race. I think it's also uh, absolutely no disrespect to Julius Chestnut. I think it's between two guys in the Walter Payton. I really do. Um, as much as I love Chestnut, we've, we've pulled for him this whole podcast. But uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for Saturday night. We'll see. Yeah, great, great segue. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. What was that, Jackson? I was just saying, like, I'll be happy for any of them that win it. Uh, they're all deserving. They are. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I totally agree. Um, and like you said, mentioned segueing into the Walter Payton Award. So I, one thing I like about this is they released the voting, uh, you know, beforehand. Something like what the Heisman did this year. I assume that they did this all along or that the FCS did this all along. Um, but looking at the rankings from bottom to top, you have some interesting things. Aquil Glass, I think Aquil Glass should have been higher. He was at six. I would have had him at five above Otis Weah because Otis Weah was kind of a non-factor, not not because, of, not due to his own doing, um, whether it's a combination of getting blown out by North Dakota State or just not playing at all for um, the, the, the fighting Hawks out there in North We've Dakota. We've mentioned that two or three times that on this podcast that Otis Weah that North Dakota needed to realize they needed to give him more carries if they want to be successful. They got away from the run game too fast. We've seen that mistake at, at all levels of football before. They got away from the run game too fast. Way out. I'm not saying they could have won it. I'm saying it wouldn't have been as embarrassing of a loss as it would have been against NDSU. That was bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was no doubt horrible. Um and again, so like you, we mentioned Weya, and I think we'll we'll, we'll juxtapose Weya and Chestnut in, in a little bit. Uh, so Weya was at five. We also had Jacob Harris from um, VMI at four. And I think the conflict here, so I would have put Harris over um, Chestnut in the top three, um, maybe even Harris over Barrier. Um, but we'll talk about this. Harris over Chestnut or Barrier. Uh, but I think the riders might have felt conflicted. I assume you have the same riders for Walter Payton as you do the uh, Buck Buchanan. They, whether they wanted a VMI clean sweep of the awards. So I feel like that might've been what happened um, in terms of Harris, but here we have our three finalists. We got Julius Chestnut from Sacred Heart out of Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, we have Eric Barrier, a guy that I think we got one guy, right. In terms of like consistently Eric Barrier being in the, in the rankings and then Cole Kelly, um, the final finalist who, I mean, he was overshadowed by some other Southland quarterbacks who did, who ironically didn't even make the voting surprisingly. Yeah. We've been talking about Eric Barrier, like this whole, the whole season. So we called that one for sure. Um, the other two, I, we've given some love to chestnut over, over this time and Cole Kelly, uh, Cole Kelly. I don't think we've, I don't think either of us took uh, uh, Southeast Louisiana, uh, Southeastern Louisiana seriously enough over the course of the year. Um, I, would you agree with that? Or do you think that we, you think we kind of laid low on them? I think we did. I think, uh, they had a couple of early losses, whether it was to, um, uh, Sam Houston state early on, they had a very, they had a shootout loss 
early on against Sam Houston State. We kind of counted them out. And I think they lost to Nichols, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'll have to look up who their losses to as I look up Cole Kelly's stats. But I think we kind of counted them out. And from there, we didn't realize the great year that Cole Kelly was having, uh, which really, I mean, you look at his stats. He was the best dual threat and probably pocket pa- or probably passer in the country. 2,662 yards, uh, 210 completions, 27 total touchdowns and 18 touchdown passes, just amazing stats. Uh, a lot better than, probably better than, I think, yeah, definitely better than Schmidt and better than Lindsey Scott, who he did hype up. But I think the early losses kind of kind of haunted him. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the losses for them did not do Cole Kelly's, Cole Kelly any favors with us. Um, but you got to hand it to him. He's had, he's had a great year. Uh, transferred from Arkansas, too. So he's, he's had some D1, or not D1, FBS experience out there. Um, he actually had a good number of attempts too, but um, yeah, he's de- deserving. Definitely. I should throw on, he's had two receiving touchdowns this year, which I just think is kind of funny that he's had two receptions, two receiving touchdowns, something to throw on makes for a fun highlight when you're, when you're showing the one the award. Yeah, and I will say this, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the voting, but I can't help but think that the SIU game, probably one of the most, probably the most important game of the regular season, I think, in the FCS, as in it got SIU into the playoffs despite having two losses. And it was kind of like what we saw with Coastal Carolina and BYU, that instant classy that was scheduled literally on a dime. Same thing happened with SIU in Southeastern Louisiana. And Cole Kelly, they didn't lose because of Cole Kelly. The game was a absolute shootout. Cole Kelly had 418 yards, three rushing touchdowns on 14 carries and eight yards. But um, in total, three touchdowns over 400 or, – I mean, sorry, can't count. Five touchdowns over 400 yards. And, I mean, really, they went score for score with Southern Illinois in that game, in a game that ended in a – 55 to 48 loss to the Salukis. But I think, I think out of all these, I got to say, as much as I hate to say it being from New Mexico, I think East Coast bias, I, yeah, I think East Coast bias kind of does Eric Barrier in, if I'm being honest. Um, so I, I got to say, Kelly, because Barrier, I mean, you have the tradition at Eastern Washington, but their games weren't on ESPN platforms, even though Pluto, Pluto TV is, is objectively. Uh, more accessible due to cost to the average fan. It's less acceptable in name value if, if you catch my drift. But yeah, I, no, I, think I, that I definitely barrier. catch your drift. Yeah. Um, I, you can't go to a bar and turn on, hey, can you turn on the, the you know, the Pluto TV? And they'll be like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, you go to B-dubs and they'll have no idea because B-dubs is just a place where you can eat microwave food with sports on. Not real, not real. I don't think I don't think we would go there if we were trying to like actually focus on a game. But um, anyways, we've gotten sidetracked again. Um, Cole Kelly. Uh, it's a tough race between the two. Can we get to predictions? Who do you think is going to win the Walter Payton? So I will say this. I think single-handedly I, I i think it's great that chestnut's here and i think it's performance against delaware how sacred heart nearly took delaware against all odds that, that was probably the most surprising result of the playoffs sacred heart took delaware on the road um to the wire 1910 loss but really i mean chestnut was a workhorse uh and really kind of carried sacred heart there i mean 179 rushing yards per game um 
7.7 yards per carry, highly efficient. Like he was what Otis Wea could have been for North Dakota had they given him the ball more. But I think he falls just short. As much as I want a running back, the first running back to win it since the early 2000s, I it's the same thing with Lewis. He's only played five games. Yeah, five games played. Um, if you're going to be a running back and win this thing, I think you need to score at least two touchdowns a game or average it. Um, and he's only got nine touchdowns. Also has three fumbles. I love Chestnut. Not a great number that you want to see either. Um, but you got to hand it to him. Like a seven-yard average is, is solid for a running back that's getting that many carries. Um, I'm going to have to say, I, I think Cole Kelly will end up winning this in all honesty. Uh, I think Cole Kelly has had uh, – he has had seven 300-yard games this year. That's an eye-popper to begin with. Also, something that's very telling for me is that he was named to the AP All-America team. Omar, who votes on the AP All-America team? Probably all these folks voting for the award, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. All these people that are voting for this award. So it's like I, I think Cole Kelly – will win because of that reason you can make an argument for all three of guys for all three of these guys i still think you can make the strongest argument for kelly and then when you throw on that little that little nugget of the ap winner i i i think it's gonna be cool so before i make my prediction i will throw a couple of what ifs um so if julius if julius chestnut and delaware if julius chestnut sacred heart end up upsetting delaware then I think Julius Chestnut has a great stake has a great stake in the claim because that's the cutoff was the week one was uh yeah the first the round one playoff games was the cutoff for voting and again like I said yeah like we said the the lasting impression so that's one and especially with what happened with Eastern Washington losing and blowing a lead to North Dakota State then I think it's a very valid point to say that but I bring that that's a segue to my next what if. If Eric Barrier and Eastern Washington end up beating North Dakota State, the uh, you know the most dominant program of this millennium in FCS, then I think Barrier wins it. Uh, if the result in De- in Delaware stays the same, where, where Delaware beats Sacred Heart, because none of that happened, I gotta agree with you and say Cole Kelly wins it because the stats are the most dominant and he had the best final impression out of all of them where he had that breakout game against Southern Illinois. And again, and honestly, like that weekend, you look at all the things that are up for grabs with at-large bids. Uh, Missouri State, I mean, they played, I think I think they played last weekend, but the game wasn't memorable. No one really cared about that one. VMI played Citadel on the Military Classic of the South, which, I mean, if you like, if you like old rivalries, you watch that one. But, I mean, no one was really like, Citadel wasn't that good. And it's really a regional rivalry. Um, who else was on the bubble? I mean, you had your HBCU Classics. Uh, really, I mean, probably those are probably the most impactful games nationally. The but the Bio Classic was a blowout. Magic City Classic ended up being a blowout. Uh, most people were watching SIU Southeastern Louisiana in terms of the playoff race, and for him to play the way he did in a loss, uh, especially through no fault of his own, I think Kelly takes it. Just given everything that I mean, just and uh, along with the year-round production, um, so I, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Jackson. We've talked a good bit about the voters and what the voters are thinking. I will say one voter has gotten this right in all in, in all this time because one person voted to kill glass number one. Now, I'm not trying to suck up, but I'm just saying one person voted to kill glass as first place. And I think we should notate that, you know. Yeah, no, honestly, because if you look at Akil Glass, the knock is like he didn't play enough games, but 
I mean, there's some quarterbacks you see and you think he's pro ready. Like, I th- I hope a team drafts him because there have only been Jackson. I'm going to give you a quick quiz question that I remember seeing at halftime of the Magic City Classic on ESPN. Oh, boy. Uh, how many how many HBCU quarterbacks have been drafted since 1981? Oh, my gosh. Since 1981. OK, HBCU quarterbacks. Um, you can probably the- guess one. I bet you can guess one. My what? Or two. I bet you can guess one, two of them. I think you can guess two of them. Two of them? Oh, boy. Um, and we're not talking signed as a UDFA or anything. We're talking like drafted. Draft- yeah. Okay. Um, oh, jeez. I am I'm blinking here, man. I can't I can't think of any right now. This is embarrassing. Yeah. No, no worries. I, I watched all seven rounds of the draft, and I can't name one. Um. I'm going to guess four, even though I can't name any of them. Okay. Well, you're close. Only five have been picked since 1981. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not not too far off, but the five that have been picked are you have um, in 1981 picked by my 49ers, Joe Adams. Joe, his nickname is great. I saw it on the screen. Joe 747 Adams. <laughs> really, really <laughs> an impressive nickname. Uh, I try to appropriate that nickname Uh uh, on company athletics, call myself a Jet Blue Borja. That that didn't last long. Jet Blue Borja, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Jet Jet Blue Borja, but uh, people ignored me. Um, but next, uh, actually, I forgot a couple of them. But the next one, I thought you would have got this one. Steve McNair to Alcorn State. Oh, yeah. yeah. That makes yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So Steve McNair to Alcorn State. And then after okay. that, you have Jay Walker. I'm forgetting. I know I'm forgetting a couple. You got Jay Walker from Howard who uh, played in NFL Europe and also, I mean, had a cup of tea with the Vikings, I believe. Yeah, with the Vikings. And then Tavares Jackson, or, you know, sorry, before we get to Tavares Jackson, Juwan Sider out of Florida A&M in 2000. And Tavares Jackson, late, great Tavares Jackson. I thought you would have gotten Tavares too, Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, hey, learn something new every day. Do you think that number will go up once we see the uh, HBCU Combine resume next year? I think so. I think that, and along with the All-Star game too, because there's a, the All-Star game is happening in New Orleans. Um, that in, and, and Dion being a plug, I think, to yeah. They're paying more attention. For sure. Hopefully, uh, hopefully a quill increases the number. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I would, we would love to see a kill get drafted. We'll have to see that for next year. Um, but where were we before this? I don't know. Um, we're just finishing up the voting. Uh, I don't know if you want to yeah. move on to – Do you, I don't know if you want to talk about the playoffs and, like, the title game or semifinal recap. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the title game a little bit. So if you don't already know, it's going to be uh, – I almost said San Diego State because I wrote that SDSU in my notes. South Dakota State against Sam Houston State. Uh, two teams – oh, Sam, uh, Sam Houston State has been dominant this year. South Dakota State, I think we had a little some question marks um, earlier in the season, uh, especially about Bart Gronowski. Um Omar, for SDSU, what are your keys to the game for them winning it? Uh, got... so de- oh, yeah, I'm sorry. What were you saying? Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll name mine, too. I want to hear yours. Oh, first. okay. 
I don't really have keys to victory as much as observations I've made watching the playoffs and watching Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State started off pretty good in the playoffs with a, with a convincing win in round one. But round two, they, they cut it close against uh, South against North Dakota State, excuse me, um, one or come from behind victory, one by one score. Actually, not. I mean, they're, they're round one game. Pretty much they've been winning by one score, and we all know that close games – are not a way to to live really especially like last week when they got behind against James Madison 27 to 10 and James Madison had probably the biggest second half breakdown I've seen in recent memory <laughs> it was bad um but I I think honestly was, I think Kyle Shanahan guest coaching on that <laughs> ouch Jackson <laughs> goodness <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to try to brush that one off, but um, yeah, so that, I mean, close games aren't a way to live and South Dakota state with the exception of the Southern Illinois game, which it's, we, we both know, uh, especially you being more of an NFL guy than I am, that it's so hard to beat an opponent twice uh, where they had a slow start against Southern Illinois, but South Dakota state's been dominant other for the most part dominant win against holy cross out there in brookings uh you know really dominant they, they i mean holy cross probably one of the best teams in the field um but the next we get the southern illinois game and against delaware uh really quick start really shut down to john lee their great back for delaware and held them to three points in a 33 to 3 win um so i think some sam Houston state can't get from can't come from behind or they can, but have to start fast against South Dakota State because South Dakota State, I think, has a stronger defense than James Madison does. Uh, certainly, more a stronger defense than North Dakota State does, as we saw head to head. So Sam Houston's got to start fast, but I mean, South Dakota State's built to chew clock with Pierre Strong and Mark Granowski running the ball. So if Sam, if South Dakota State chews clock, keeps Eric Schmidt and Sam Houston off the field, then they win. If Sam Houston starts fast, I think they win. So I think uh, the Bearcats win, but Gronowski's been a hell of a runner this year. He's he's done a great job, and maybe the passing hasn't been as high as we would have liked it to um, before the season started. But he's been he's been running the ball. He's he has some wheels on him. Uh, don't underestimate that. My kind of uh, two things that I, I kind of observed that I I think we need to see if the Jackrabbits want to win this. One is they gotta limit the penalties. Like I don't know if you you've seen this, they're averaging forty. They're giving up forty six yards a game and penalties. It's really bad. Uh, and they're they're forty five for three seventy three on the season, averaging yeah forty six yards a game. I think they've got to limit that because it's gonna be a close game. I, I don't think they can afford any of that. And then they gotta stay hot in the red zone. They've been doing this right all along. Out of twenty six trips to the red zone, they've scored on twenty five. 16 of them have gone for touchdowns. And a lot of those, you can thank Gronowski with his legs for that. Um, so I would, I, you need to worry about getting to the red zone and then just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, once, you, once you get inside the 20. Uh, for for St. Houston State, uh, watching some tape on them, what, what are your observations on them? Again, like I said, I mean, their defense has come on strong. While in the first two games against North Dakota State and, and Monmouth, both teams that like to run the ball, um, but I mean, against James Madison, we kind of saw some of their weaknesses on defense. And if South Dakota State exploits that and really has some time, time turning drives, and it wasn't even the time turning drives against Delaware as I watched that game, as I rewatched as I watched that game last night, it was just the explosive plays because Delaware had 
a time of possession edge against South Dakota State. But South Dakota State can make explosive plays and they can also chew the clock. So I think it'll be hard for Sam Houston to come back if South Dakota State shortens the game and their defense has been dominating too uh, on top of that. So I think Sam Houston, again, they just got to, I think they got to make it a track meet. I mean, I don't, I don't think many Missouri Valley yeah. Conference teams are yeah, built for track they're meets. They're the only team in this game that's put up more than 70 points in a game. I mean, they're, they're, if they make it a track meet, I like Sam Houston State's chances. Um, we've talked about, uh, or we haven't, but we will, uh, turnovers. Obviously, you never want those in the championship game. I'm not saying that they've had too many turnovers. Uh, interceptions isn't really too much of an issue for Sam Houston State, although they've lost five fumbles. You know how many fumbles they've had, though, including ones they haven't lost? 18. They're averaging two a game right now. Uh, and when you're playing a defense as good as SDSU's, you can't be, I think it would be a higher percentage than one, one for three, one for four, as far as losing fumbles on those. So you can't fumble the ball. Definitely can't have two of them. And then uh, as far as another key to the game for offense, uh, the strong run game is awesome for Sam Houston State. Uh, you know, between the 20s, sling it, make it attract me. I think they should just pound it inside the red zone because they've got 25 rushing touchdowns this year. Just just pound it once you get inside there, especially when it's first, second, third, and goal. I think they should just run the ball, you know, chew clock turn it into a track meet, and then you also chew a little bit of clock within the red zone. I think that would be awesome for Sam Houston State. Yeah, no, you bring up the run game, too. I think that's a great point, too, considering that Eric Schmidt, that's been his territory, really. I mean, Eric Schmidt has done a great job running the ball. As, as many as many across America saw him bring in the game-winning touchdown against uh, North Dakota State. Uh, and again, like you said, too, with, with Gronowski running the ball, like, that's that's their territory. Schmidt's got five touchdowns. Gronowski, I don't have his stats pulled up, but I mean, I know Gronowski, his strength is the legs. I mean, he had um, a hundred yard game earlier in the season against Southern Illinois, I believe. Uh, but and he also received a touchdown too against Delaware too. So Gronowski, once in the red zone, it'll be the quarterback's territory on the ball, like you said. Um, should be an evenly matched game. I'm anticipating a score on the lower end. Just get, I think, uh, I think it's easier to make it. With, with the defense that South Dakota State is, it's easier for them to make it an MBC game than it is to make it a Southland-type game where it's a high-scoring affair. So, I mean, I don't know what the over-under is, but I don't think it'll be a very high-scoring affair. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, one last thing that I think might be something interesting Um Huntsville to Toyota Stadium is not even a three-hour drive. Sure, here at Sam Houston State's going to be loading up a bunch of buses to go up there. I wouldn't. I'm saying crowd noise. It may not be like objectively loud, not anything compared to an NFL or Power Five stadium. But for these FCS kids that are playing in high school fields, it looks like when you watch them on TV sometimes. Like, I mean, it might be a little bit of a factor more than they're used to. Yeah, well, Jackson, you're coming for everyone, man. Coming for the Niners, coming for FCS stadium designers, (laughs) coming for everyone. I'm just saying, like, hey, you know, it's in the realm of Jerry world, and you're going to – I'm just saying. Well, I will say this, and 
I not that this will be a stadium architecture podcast, but <laughs> Toyota Stadium in Frisco, it's a soccer, it's a soccer venue. So the seats are closer to the field because you know you don't have people standing on sidelines and shoulder pads. I didn't think about that. Soccer. That's another good point. So that that is a great point, Jackson, that I didn't think of beforehand. So I mean, you know, here we go talking about stadium architecture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got back a few times. So, but hey, you know. I hope my mom isn't listening to this. I will drop out of college if Kyle Shanahan goes to this game while eating Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> oh, man. We'll, we'll, hey. we'll cover all three. We'll cover hey, all three. Like he says, I, I don't know if anyone in the world would be alive on Sunday. So, I mean, don't <laughs> place your bet on it. I can't guarantee you it's going to be alive. Don't bet on this. <laughs> oh, man. I think and I think somehow we And somehow – he was still on the roster on Sunday. What do you know? Yeah, I don't. I, I thought he was talking about drafting Mac Jones. I just I've seen the clips of the of just him saying that. I didn't know the context, but oh, is so someone a reporter asked him, "Hey, well, Jimmy Garoppolo, can you guarantee he'll still be on the roster by Sunday?" And he was like, "I can't guarantee anyone will be alive on Sunday," which sounded like a no. It turns out he's still on the roster. We're almost to the next Sunday, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I like Jimmy, man. It, nothing was wrong with Jimmy. Uh, well, I mean, okay. Well, we would have a Super Bowl ring if nothing was wrong. But Jimmy was – it's like it's like the Jared Goff thing, you know. Like, I don't think Jared Goff's a bad quarterback. And I, I'm starting to get into the advanced metrics, which I haven't looked at. Maybe the advanced metrics show that Eric Goff – Eric Goff, that Jared Goff, that Jared Goff isn't a, a quality quarterback. But I always thought that he was solid. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. He threw for 27 touchdowns in 2019 with a, with a strong running game too. Like, I – it's it's just sad, man, because it felt if great, baby. Yeah, if you're if you ever make the argument that uh, that it's all Kyle Shanahan because he is an offensive mastermind a little bit, um, I'll make I'll make my right wrong there. Uh, he's he's awesome at coaching. If you ever make the argument that all of Garoppolo's success is off of that, just watch. No disrespect to Southern Miss, watch Nick Mullins. It's just like. It's a clear step down. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was clearly good. Bill Belichick drafted him like the highest drafted quarterback he's ever done with the exception of Mac Jones. It was for a reason. Jimmy Garoppolo has some talent. You don't have to come for Nick Mullins like that, man. I'm not. Co- you don't I have to come Nick for Nick Mullins like that. I like Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. I want to make it clear. Nick Mullins <laughs> here. Because Jimmy. Hey, I mean, you can, I mean, I can counter that too with uh, CJ Beathard beating the Cardinals and pretty much knocking them near like having the first blow towards knocking them out of playoff contention too. And geez, we're, we're not an NFL podcast, but here we are going on. Yeah. (laughs) We should move to stadium architecture and NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I I think, I think before we uh, hit, before we get off topic again, Jackson, do you have any other remarks before Saturday? Also, congratulations to Lindsey Wilson for winning the NAIA title game, a little Monday night football at Grambling Stadium. I, I watched that um, instead of doing other things in my life, and it, it was a solid performance by Lindsey Wilson. So congratulations to them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I missed that. I'm looking forward to – I haven't watched uh, – I'm looking forward to, like, watching a game, like, live, you know, this weekend. That will be a lot of fun, especially the championship game. And Oh, you'll be there? Spring League action. What's up? Oh, you said live? Or are you going to be at the title game or – uh, I was hoping to. I don't think I can get off of work. <laughs> oh, which tickets are even? 
But um, I, I might take a glance at it tonight just to see what, okay. what I can do. But um, I, I mean, like turning on the TV, like live, like, it seems like good forever with that even. Um, but because I had, had just uh, finals week this weekend and then the the draft and all that, so it's I'm, I'll be excited for that. But um, yeah, um, man, I'm I'm pretty much I'm out. Like I'm I'm excited for this. This will be this will be a lot of fun, and we're gonna have to continue this with our little spring league after <laughs> after this too. Yeah, some spring league hardware. Is there there have been some impressive performances as the uh shoot, what team was it? It was one of the teams that wears green for the spring league. Uh I forget, but they ran the crap out of the ball. They had 200 100 yard rushers. So maybe we'll talk about spring league MVPs. I, I don't know. I got a Twitch notification that FCF was live today. I don't know why. I don't know. Wasn't oh, it's, it's strange. Yeah, strange. Marshall. But, uh, <laughs> Marshawn, uh, yeah, what a, what a character! <laughs> yeah, but um, man, I'm excited for this weekend, and uh, I'm good. You got anything else? No, I don't. Uh, I should be heading to bed soon. Got to call back my sister. I have a one, have a one p.m. Uh, final. My my third of four, and um, nice. trying to get some beauty sleep and some concentration rest. That's awesome. Don't don't do what my um. My Buckner PSG did where he had an A in the class and he didn't set any alarms for his 1 p.m. T and he woke up at 5 p.m. And that was, the, yeah, it was, it was a bad day. He begged his professor to retake it. He did. He got C in the class. So, yeah, we'll do that. Yikes. Um, well, class rank doesn't really matter for me anymore, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you're I'm like, just... I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bar, barring get that dramatic. Excel spreadsheet out. Okay, how many points do I have to score on this to get to pass? I actually have to try to actually got to get an A minus too, like because I'm, I'm at an A minus oh, really? in the class. Oh. <laughs> but I like <laughs> it, it won't it won't take me it won't take me out of a three zero cumulatively for um, grad school considerations. But that's that's years down the road. Yeah, yeah, that's years. But, um, I mean, until until next time, before we get off topic again, talking about architecture. <laughs> Uh, grades and everything um well we'll see who wins the awards this weekend uh big title game ahead to an abc it's great to have the network tv treatment for uh, fcs football um yeah and, and until next time on um, momar is always joined by jackson and peace love and soul everyone